Just gonna run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hello and welcome to a special Thanksgiving edition of the 4Press Podcast presented by GolfWeek.com. I'm your host, David Dusek, and in this episode, my very special guest is Adam Shupak. Adam's a senior writer with GolfWeek, GolfWeek.com, as well as USA Today Sports. And in the podcast you're about to hear, Adam and I talk about, with only one PGA Tour event left in 2020, how the tour has handled the COVID-19 pandemic and kept professional golf alive and seemingly doing pretty well. We also talk at length about the Match 3, the made-for-TV event that's taking place on Friday that's going to put... Phil Mickelson and Charles Barkley up against Peyton Manning and Steph Curry. Then Adam and I discuss the question of adding off weeks to the PGA Tour's calendar. And finally, we debate the idea of the window of opportunity for Ricky Fowler to finally win a major championship. It might be closing. All that, and we also reveal which plate at the Thanksgiving table is each of our MVP. So stick around. Get stronger, hit longer, and end pain with Golf Forever. Created by Justin Leonard and co-author of the Younger Next Year Backbook, Dr. Jeremy James, Golf Forever is the Take Anywhere online golf fitness program that helps you build a body prime for golf. It's simple, safe, and it works. At home, in the gym, on the golf course, Golf Forever's easy-to-follow exercises, warm-up routines, and course management videos will help you play your best pain-free. Sign up today at GolfForever.com and use promo code GOLFWEEK for a free 14-day trial. And now I'd like to once again welcome Adam Shupak to the Forward Press Podcast. Adam, happy Thanksgiving. How are you doing? I'm doing great. Thanks for having me. Yeah, cool. Have you got uh, all the uh, the turkey and all the trimmings purchased? Is all the, the shopping for the big day done? Not yet. Not yet. We still got a few things to do there, but uh, my wife's got the got her mom's secret recipe for the uh for the stuffing so we should be good the stuffing is really the mvp of the thanksgiving dinner i know some people i mean the turkey is great because it's pretty much i mean we have it on deli stuff all, all the time but i mean who who the heck roasts a turkey and does that the stuffing though is the mvp that that brings it i realize the gravy at, at our house at least especially with the kids makes it palatable my wife and i like to cook but uh what what is your favorite portion of the thanksgiving meal uh, I like dessert. I think I like dessert. <laughs> nice. <laughs> pumpkin or pecan? Pumpkin pie and apple and apple pie, you know, some ice cream. Do they have huh? pumpkin pies and apple pies and stuff like that in Florida? Oh, sure. Oh, sure. Yeah. Come on. Well, I, I lived for two years down in Florida. Here. Yeah, no, I mean, indoor plumbing <laughs> and the whole bit. I mean, I lived in the Florida Keys <laughs> for two winters, and it was strange to be in a place where they put holiday lights on palm trees and, and all that kind of stuff. I mean, you kind of get into it and especially after freezing my ass off in Canton, New York at St. Lawrence university, it was great to be in someplace warm, uh, in the winter months. But I always, this is the holiday more than any other that I equate with cold weather, the Northeast, like, you know, the whole Norman Rockwell bit. And, um, the idea of 
bringing out the Thanksgiving turkey and all the trimmings and all that kind of stuff, which is great, having family around, which unfortunately this year is probably not the wisest move for a lot of people. But when it's 85 degrees and muggy, as I, I mean, is it still warm down in Florida? You guys still catching that or is it cooled down a bit? Uh, it's it's perfect right now. I, I, we got a, we got a morning tea time on Thursday. That's that's all I'm gonna say. So life is good. <sighs> we uh we do not. It's supposed to be rainy and lousy and everything. But uh, this is my favorite holiday. It doesn't matter which religion you are, what what your background is. If if you're here, uh, if you're in the U.S., um, we have much to be thankful for. It's been a pretty lousy year. I think we can all agree on that. 2020 is not what we wanted it to be. But but we're here. And uh, there's hope for the future. There's the, the vaccines and all that stuff. It's, it sounds like are, are extremely promising. We've got a lot of challenges to get that stuff out to everybody. But I am confident, as, as, I, as I think a lot of other people might be, that 21 could certainly be better than 20. Um, and, and here's to it. From a golf standpoint, you had an opportunity, as did I, to go out to a couple of events. But you went to the last PGA Tour event, which, well, the last one that we had last week. The RSM Classic. What's been your take on how the PGA Tour has managed this season? I mean, from the from the first event that you went to, which I believe you said was FedEx um, out in Memphis, to what effectively is now the end of calendar year 2020. What's been your impression about how the tour has handled the the COVID pandemic and trying to manage that? I think they've done a really good job overall. You, you know, just the fact that we've gotten this far. Um, the number of cases was very low. I think there were three players last week who tested positive, uh, which was the most we've had in quite some time. And, and you think back to when you were at, at Hartford, I mean, it felt like things were on the edge in terms of Dead. keeping things going. And we, we have, we had very few cases so, with the players and, and um, caddies. So I think that's been a real positive. They've gotten to the point where they're, they're doing pro-ams again that we've had uh, a couple of events in Bermuda and Houston where they've allowed limited fans. And, and there were, there wasn't any um, spectators other than VIPs. And I'm not even sure who was, who was at the uh, RSM last week, but there were probably around 150 to 200 people circling the 18th green on Sunday. Mm -hmm. And, and I, the one thing that did bother me though, at that event was I felt like, there were way too many people not wearing masks. I don't know what was what was going on, but the mm. PGA Tour, you know, they they put they've they've gone even stricter. The media, you know, we have to have a, a mask on while we're walking the course. Which, personally, I'm not sure I, I fully understand that one. I think we're okay out in the in the open like that, but they've been very strict with us in terms of having to stay six feet away. We we can't just go up and approach players. We can't go on the practice putting green or the or the practice range anymore. So um, our, our access has been, been limited. And it just, to me, it was, you know, since they're really uh, made things stricter, I, I was surprised that there were so many, so many of the people that were on, on site and were around the, the golf tournament did not have a mask on and nobody seemed to have a problem with that. I, I think that that's still uh, a bit of a work in progress and, I, I do think of all the sports, golf is in the best place to to bring back fans since it is an outdoor sport. And um, you know, I think we'll, we're just going to have to monitor things. I think the PGA Tours being very precautious about how you know how many fans they let back, and and knowing that you know the winter time period could be a, a, a you know a, a resurgence, in, and we're already seeing it. Um, but but mm -hmm. I think that's an, an issue right now. What, what have you felt? You know, I, I think it's um, 
and there's a lot of meat on the bone with this one, but number one, one of the challenges that the tour has innately is that it goes from place to place. You're not going to put the entire PGA tour in a bubble and play every event at one venue, which the NBA showed that they could do at least their playoffs in. And, um, Major League Baseball tried to do a, a smaller version of that by having neutral site venues, and, and so they limited travel, et cetera. That's not going to happen. So that, right off the bat, could make make it challenging to make sure that the players and the caddies do the right thing, which they've shown that they're capable of doing. But when you introduce pro-ams, limited numbers of spectators, and you're going from region to region, which may be hotter or slightly safer on average, that, to me, innately makes things a little bit more challenging. I agree. I, I was, uh, as you noted, travelers and wore a mask pretty much all the time um, when I was around everybody. But once I would walk away from people and I was strolling a fairway and I'm you know, 200 yards from anybody else, I would take the mask off and breathe in some fresh air. And I did the same thing when I was at Northern Trust at TPC Boston and the same thing at the U.S. Open. Um but at all of those events, whenever anybody was in proximity with one another, the masks came right back on. And I think that there was a sense, and all those events were taking place in the summer. Obviously, the U.S. Open took place in September. There was a sense that like golf was doing this right, which you allude to. We're, we're fortunate to have our sport be able to do this. And for all of us who were in the media and the players who were there and everybody who was associated with the events, we felt fortunate to be having this because it wasn't that long before when we didn't know if we were going to have a U.S. Open. We didn't know if the PGA Tour was going to allow media or was was going to hold events or we're going to have you know, all these other things. Certainly a Masters for a while was a little bit up in the air and then exactly what it was going to look like. We didn't know. Um, so the fact that there are – I'll be honest with you. I'm not a huge fan of the pro-ams. I get that they want to build in the revenue. I get that they want to bring in and have the associations with the sponsors who are – you know, in many cases, flipping the bill for a lot of these things. They want to keep those relationships going. What's the benefit in the grand scheme of things right now with having a pro-am or having two or 3,000 people come to, if it's even that many, come to the golf tournament on a Thursday, Friday, Saturday, or even on a Sunday? To me right now, if it, it's, it's a time to be careful. It's a time to be overly cautious. I think Jay Monahan and his team have done a pretty good job, but I still don't think that I would be a big fan of that. I was watching some college football games. I watched with my son, Oklahoma, Oklahoma State, this last weekend, um, the Bedlam game. Way too many people in the stands where I would have felt comfortable. I wouldn't have gone. I mean, I would have turned around, and as much as exciting as that game was, I wouldn't have gone. Um, when you see Notre Dame you know, winning against Clemson and people storm the field, we love things like that. It's one of the things that makes sports awesome. I would have freaked out. I would not have been ready to be in a situation like that. And so I guess to bring this sort of long-winded lineup to, to something of a close here for you, um, I think that we we need to keep doing what we did over the summer as best we can, but I just don't see the need to have the spectators, the pro-ams, that kind of stuff, because I think golf has proven it can work, but we don't need to push it just right now. You know, it's, do, do you agree? Like, it's it seems like we're... We're trying to live the best of both worlds. Right. And we haven't seen a player uh, have to miss extended time with terrible symptoms. But I think in a way, it, it when you keep seeing these athletes, when you know Dustin Johnson was tested positive just a few weeks before he won the Masters. And, and we saw mm -hmm. Sergio and, and Joaquin Neiman have to miss 
have to miss the masters. I mean, which it's, you know, and it sounds that's first world problems, but you know, horrible for those guys in, in considering yeah. the, what those events mean to them and potentially to their careers. Um, I just think that, uh, you know, it does stand out. It, it, I think in, in some ways seeing that happen reminds us that, you know, we all have to be careful because these guys are being, they're trying to be really careful. I mean, I, I don't think, I, I'm not sure. I haven't heard what Sergio said yet. Uh, in, you know, I think it'll be interesting to see what, what he said, how he feels about what happened. But uh, I think he probably was pretty devastated. That's, you know, he named his daughter Azalea because he won the yeah. Masters. That, that that event means so much to him that that was career defining for him to finally win a major and to have to miss it this year because of COVID. I mean, it just shows how big, you know, what we're going through right now in this world is it's 2020. Let's, yeah, like you said, let's, let's move on from 2020. I, I looked at it, Shoop, as, as Adam Scott chose to stay in Australia um, and um, basically be as safe as he could possibly be for as long as he could be safe and didn't come to the U.S. to play on the PGA Tour events for several weeks. Um, he was out most of the summer, and he ends up testing positive. I have every reason to believe that he was trying to be as careful as he possibly could. Same thing with Sergio Garcia. I have no idea how those guys contracted the values. From all I know, it, like, it may have been a false positive. It may not. That I didn't hear that they claimed that they thought it was. I mean, none of that matters. But the fact that... You know, these guys who have the means to keep themselves safe still can contract the virus and end up testing positive means that we need to keep, in my mind, keep doing the same things. The numbers that you see, you know, whatever news outlet you choose to get it from are just staggering. I mean, it's it's still unbelievable. You know, the fact that we're on average right now of, of getting a million people a week at this point testing positive. And we know that people are traveling for Thanksgiving. We know people will travel for the holidays through the season and through new years. And that's just not good. You know, and that to me is the, if, if I were a PGA pro and I was heading out to Hawaii, potentially, um, if you're then going to go and play the California and the West coast swing as great as, as that is. Um, I think the traveling and is, is just makes it inherently challenging. I'm sure that's where a lot of guys who end up testing positive. It's even if you're flying private, even if like you have people and you're staying in and you've got a chef who potentially can do that. And there's not as many people as, uh, who can do that as, as I think the people outside the ropes think most guys who you see on the PGA tour are not flying private. They're not having private chefs and personal trainers around. They, they do a lot more stuff in and amongst, you know, the general public than you would, than you would probably think. Um, but the travel is the part that gets to me. It's almost just like you're playing roulette every time you're, traveling and doing that stuff but it'll be interesting I, I think that golf is is great I think that we will have a full rich season unless something really unprecedented takes place but dude who the hell knows I mean it's just uh it's been pretty wild so what was your impression of RSM good good event to cover did you like it obviously excitement down the stretch there when the with the playoff yeah you know I guess the one takeaway I took from it is you know, Robert Streb has not been able to keep his card the last few years. Very few, even top 10 finishes, um, you know, fighting the good fight. Re regained his card when he went down to corn Ferry tour uh, playoffs and, and, and finals there. And, and, you know, it just shows any week. And it made me think the one guy it made me think of was, was Jordan speed. If, if Robert Streb can, can find it in, in one week mm. and put four rounds, the guy hadn't shot, three rounds in the he'd only shot three rounds in the 60s in his first 12 uh, 
uh, rounds of the season, and he shot four in a row in the 60s. I mean, guys, that, that is the PGA Tour. We've seen it time and time again. A guy missed seven or eight cuts in a row and then win a tournament. I, I think a James Hahn off the top of my head doing that in, in uh, Charlotte at Wells Fargo a few years back. Yep. It, it can happen. And so, you know, we're, we're waiting and wondering when's Jordan going to find it. And, I, you know, I think he looks like he's still got a lot of work to do to get the game in shape, but but it, it can it can happen in this in a in a snap of fingers and and uh, you know Robert Streb now he's got two more years and uh, you know seems to that this is his tournament both of his wins at the RSM both in playoffs and 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 yeah <laughs> as clutch a shot as you'll ever see in the playoff to you know nearly holding it and and uh, take down a guy like Kevin Kirsner who incredibly the guy's zero and five now in playoffs but. Brutal. Such a bulldog, and I love the way he fought, fought back. You know, he he knew he needed to go low on Sunday. Started five back, and he it was it was really impressive to watch him play. The Counter, an NFL podcast from USA Today Sports. Featuring For the Winds, Steven Ruiz and Chris Corman. I know people are like just assuming that this is an upgrade at the quarterback position, but I don't think we could say that for a fact. I'd say it's it's a downgrade. He never really had game-to-game impact just coming off the edge and destroying people that we thought when we saw his athleticism in college and at the combine. And- the Counter, diving deeper into the NFL with advanced stats, film study, and expert guests. This is The Counter. Listen and subscribe to The Counter on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn, or wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. So going back to Robert Streb, just real quick, looking back at his 2019-20 PGA Tour season, um, as you mentioned, he, he had to bounce back and forth between Corn Ferry a little bit and the PGA Tour. On the main tour, he finishes 189th in strokes gain total. He was giving up a little over a full shot. He was a strokes gain negative in every category uh, that they measure basically with, with strokes gain, and that's the one that you and I sort of pay attention to. He's not long off the tee. He's not especially straight. Bad combination. If you're short and crooked on the PGA Tour, you will not be out there for long. But now, the fact that, as you mentioned, that he was able to win. And the next time the guy shows up at Sea Island, he's going to have to be giving strokes to people because he obviously has figured out a golf course that works for him. Um, but to your point, and I like it a lot, if you're a Jordan Spieth fan, seeing Robert Strab figure out a way to win is exactly what you want to see because he hasn't had it for the last couple of years. And now he's got the two-year exemption. He's going to be playing in April at Augusta, and he's got a ticket to the Masters. Um, it, it helps him immeasurably with his scheduling. For Jordan, it would mean a boost of confidence that I can't even imagine. It would be the validation of the work that you and I both know is going on and has been going on for a long, long time. Um, there's only one more PGA Tour event, full field PGA Tour event left in the season. Uh, Mayakoba, I know that Brooks Kepka is in there, but we're pretty much to the end of it. It used to be, right around now, we would get the Skins game, which I personally adored. I don't know about you, Shu, but Thanksgiving for me when we were growing up was let's see, you know, Jack Nicholas, Tom Watson, Arnold Palmer, you know, Gary Player, Trevino was in there and, and did really well. Do you miss the skins game? I, I know I sure as hell do. Do you miss it? I mean, I thought it was great 
for it in its time, but it, I think it had ran, run its course. They needed to reinvent it in some way. And, mm-hmm. you know, wisely enough, I mean, Phil Mickelson is sort of doing that with the, the match. This is now the third yeah. one, the second time that they've done it on the Friday after Thanksgiving, which is, is just the perfect time. I mean, the skins Absolutely. game, part of the magic was that there really wasn't much other sports going on that weekend. And, uh, you know, it's, it's, this is a great spot. I mean, there isn't even a PGA Tour event going on this weekend, so there's no golf to compete against. So I think the match, you know, I, I don't I don't know how much I really want to watch Charles Barkley and, and Steph Curry. Mm. Um, I'd rather I'd rather see, you know, Tiger and, and or maybe have Justin Thomas or some of the some of the young guys. There could be some some cool ways to do it. I think ultimately I don't think they'd ever, you know, I don't think they would do it. But the best way people would actually really tune in. The ratings would be through the roof if these guys played for their own money. That That's oh. what people want to see. Yeah. I mean, if there was a way that you could bring back the whole Shell's Wonderful World of Golf thing where we could get some match play, whether it's even for the guy's own money or not, although I love that idea. But if you had you know four or five times a year, if you're able to get A-list pros in A-list venues to play, um, going back and you can go up onto YouTube and find all these things. Um, they were sensational. It was thinking way ahead of its time. It would be amazing on some random Monday after some tournament to see, you know, Rory McIlroy play John Rahm, say for example, um, at Marion or to, to have them go, you know, the, the week, um, before some event, wherever it happens to be that you get, um, you know, Brooks Kepka going up against Dustin Johnson, you know, and they're going to play it at, you know, pick your amazing, fantastic venue. Those things would be fantastic. And I think Phil is opportunistically taking this and he seems to own it. Do you think people, though, are fired up about this one the way that they were about Phil versus Tiger um, in Las Vegas or even last spring, you know, in the midst of COVID when we had an opportunity to see Tom Brady, Mickelson, you know, and, and Peyton and Tiger? Well, uh, small sample size, but I was, you know, just telling a few of my friends that I was going to be doing this uh, interview with Charles Barkley for a, a Q&A we're going to have on the Golf Week website. And none of my friends had any idea that this was happening, that there was going to be this, the match yeah. three was going to be this weekend. So I don't know. I don't think it's been promoted quite as heavily. And I think just the fact of, of how little sports was going on back when, when we had the match two, I mean, that the ratings for that were better than the masters and U S open and stuff. I mean, it was, it was, it was huge. Yeah. It was one of really the best, uh, you know, live sports on cable television. I mean, you know, yeah. I, I don't remember maybe ever pretty, pretty high up there. Um, so it's, it's, it, the circumstances have changed. I think there's, uh, you know, even the masters did, did rate very well, um, this no, year. So, you know, th- there were a lot of, reasons for that including football and the early morning tea times and stuff but um again i i I, this one i i don't think is quite as sexy it's one of those things where like you know one of the i I talked to the people at turner a bit about this and they're they're very optimistic because um again there's not a lot of competition on the sports calendar but also they said i thought this was interesting and a valid point that there's not going to be quite the uh, Black Friday. People aren't going to be running out to the store this year. They're going to, they'll be buying Excellent stuff point. online, and they're going to be home, and they're going to be they're not going to be yep. going out as much, and they're going to be looking for something to watch and do. And and 
you know, this is going to be fun to watch Charles Barkley hit some really ugly shots and Phil Mickelson have to play from, from the, uh, from the desert and, and all that. And, and, and I think Peyton is, is, you know, he's been phenomenal on Saturday Night Live. I think he's got, he's really got a, uh, he's going to be maybe the best trash talker in this group, which is hard to believe given how good Phil and, and uh, Barkley can be. But I think, you know, I think it's going to be worth watching. I do think I'll, I, I mean, I'm going to watch it. I'm sure you're going to watch it, but um, mm-hmm. it'll be interesting to see what those ratings are like. Can I secretly tell you also one of the reasons why I will definitely watch it? I'm looking forward to hearing Gary McCord. I'm, I'm, I miss having McCord on TV. I mean, we've gone now, you know, pretty much a year. This was the season where he and Costas were both off of the CVS lineup. And I was always a fan. I realized he was not always everybody's cup of tea, but. I will look forward to him and just hearing him. It will make me remember great things and, and fun golf tournaments from years past. I, I'm i looking forward to that. I, I agree. In talking with my friends about it, people are not as aware of this one. But the fact that everyone's going to be home this year for Thanksgiving, we're it's just going to be the four of us at, at our house here, me, my wife and I and, and our kids. And yes, you know we're, we're not going to be out. We're going to be doing things around the house. And if you're channel surfing and you weren't aware and you happen to stumble upon seeing Phil Mickelson standing there next to Charles Barkley, I think that's enough to stop people from channel surfing and they're going to check it out and, and they could build some momentum through the broadcast. One of the things you mentioned, though, Shoop, at the beginning of that little part there is that we're in an off week. We hardly ever have off weeks during PGA Tour's the PGA Tour season. Obviously, the schedule is now a wraparound season. We start um, essentially right after either the Ryder Cup or the President's Cup. The, the the FedEx Cup playoffs culminate in September. And lo and behold, about a week or two later, here we go with the new season. And here we go. Do we need more off off weeks? Is is that a good thing? Or do you, do you like the way that the mix is right now? Well... <sighs> The way you pose it, there's there's various ways I can take that, but I, I think the reality is that the PG that Jay Monahan's job as PGA Tour Commissioner is to find playing opportunities for his players, and as long as there's sponsors out there that want to put on a tournament, they will go wherever the money is. They're going to play tournaments. They've got TV contracts, and, and so they are about maximizing those playing opportunities, whether it's for the, the top guys and giving them these WGCs where they don't have to worry about making a cut and, and there's big money and lots of lots of world ranking points or the smaller events like the RSM and Mayakoba that, um, you know, the Robert Strebs of the world get their chance. They're, they're looking to play as many events as they so they can squeeze into the top 125. And, and you know, the it, it works. I think it works. The model works. There are some issues, which I'll let you talk about. But the thing I would most like to see, because just from reality, I, I agree. I don't know you're, where you're going here. And I agree. Fewer <laughs> events would probably be better for the, for the PGA Tour as a whole. But in reality, the thing I would like to see that I think could happen if the, the PGA Tour were to, you know, ruin their product is, fewer 72 hole stroke play events let's mix it up let's come up with mm-hmm. some different formats and and so that it's not the same tv show every week so yes you, you get, there, there was definitely some foreshadowing in my asking you the question um the <laughs> problem that i have is and, and as i agree jay monahan's not going to shorten up the season we both know that because as you correctly point out one of the biggest jobs that he has is to make sure that everybody has an opportunity to play as much golf as they choose to play 
the elite stars are going to set their own schedule. You know, Justin Thomas, based on the fact of his world ranking, the accomplishments he's already got, um, will be able to pick and choose what events he wants to play to best suit his opportunities, the winning. He's not in it at this point for the money. He has earned that. Um, but there are plenty of players out there who don't have that luxury. So they want to play every opportunity they can, earn as much money as they can, or as many FedEx Cup points as they can to try to keep moving up the ladder or to go back up the ladder You know, if they have fallen from where they used to be. I get that. But one of the reasons why growing up and one of the reasons why I think that the even still today, uh, although it's changing a little bit in the digital world, that the Masters was always so compelling and so is, is there was a scarcity of the coverage. I mean, for a long time, people may not be aware. During broadcast, they never showed the front nine. You know, we only saw the back, as you, you probably recall that. And um, now with everything being available digitally and the Masters website basically showing you every shot of every player and you can see the whole thing, scarcity breeds demand in my eye. And there's also the idea of player health. Um, a lot of times guys will feel compelled if the season is really long and especially with the season we're about to have, hopefully, in twenty in calendar year 21, it's it's a really grueling, tough thing, and we see guys start to break down and guys not have ample time for injury because they feel like they've got to compete, and depending on exactly how they choose to look at it, they do have to compete. Um, if you're an elite player right now, um, looking ahead to calendar year 2021, which I'm going to stumble saying for the entire year, by the way, um, you've got the four major championships, whatever FedEx Cup playoff stuff you qualify, the week-to-week PJ Tour events. I don't know, and we can get into the 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 value of the Olympics and what exactly that's going to mean or that's not going to mean, but the Olympics, as of not right now, are on for Tokyo, Japan. That would be August. It's a Ryder Cup year. So you're looking at a stretch from once we get to the West Coast swing um, where guys are going to play you know, a couple of events. Maybe they play a couple of events in – Florida, they get the players championship through through the Florida swing, and then we're off. You know, you get the players, you get the masters, you get the PGA championship, and every four or five weeks, there's a really significant big time event, as well as the WGCs and everything else. I worry that we're cramming the schedule so much and not incorporating off weeks that that I'm worried that elite star players will end up getting fatigue and getting overuse injuries and that the Brooks Kepka type injuries that we've seen, um, the Tiger Woods injuries, not even, I'm not even talking about that because that's over 20 years, 30 years. I think that you're, you're, you're bringing on potentially more injuries to your stars and that's not good. I, I want to protect everybody, especially the most elite players from getting injured because that's what drives interest. That's what gets people fired up about it. So, um, yeah, it's. I, I realize it's not going to happen. It's a pipe dream. But I think scheduling a somewhat longer uh, break or more numerically more off weeks would be a good thing. And part of me is like, hey, look, if you want to get more up playing opportunities, play better. You know what? If you win, you, all this stuff gets taken care of. I'm not worried about you know. With with all due respect, um, at this point. You know, a, a lot of these guys who have lower world rankings and, and whatever, it's not, you know, at this point, my real big concern where where they are and how many playing opportunities somebody like Mark Hubbard or somebody like Scott Piercy, you know, is, is going to have. I mean, the answer to that, to giving yourself more and better playing opportunities, play better. 
and then it all gets taken care of. So um, I will now step off of my soapbox here atop Mount Pius and uh, join everybody <laughs> else. So um, one last thing. I was listening to the broadcast at the Masters. Uh, you were there, so you would not have been, you lucky guy. Um, Ricky Fowler is going to be celebrating a birthday in about two weeks. Ricky is going to be turning 32, which makes me feel very, very old, by the way. Um, his official World Golf ranking right now is 48. Ricky's in a precarious position, if I'm not mistaken, in terms of qualifying for the Masters. Like He needs to sort of stay around. Um, top 50 at the end of the year, get in. Top 50 official world golf ranking as of a cutoff point will also get him in. A win will get him in. But 48 sort of, you're now living on the bubble with that. Ricky Fowler did not have a top 10 after his tie for 10th at the Amex back in January of 2000. Um, and it's now been six years since his amazing 2014 season where he top fived in all four of that season's major championships. Is the window of opportunity for Ricky Fowler closing up? Do you think that it's maybe not going to happen? Or do you still think that um, that Ricky Fowler is, has got a major in him? That's a really good question. I, he, 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 there's no doubt that he's not been playing well the past year and he's been work. He's been working on swing changes. He changed coaches. He's with John Tillery. Now he had been with Butch Harmon for a long time, but Butch, Butch isn't on the road these days. And I, you know, I remember what I did, you know, the Q and a back earlier this year with, with Brandel Chambly, where I thought Brandall made a pretty fair point. It's like you, you work so well with, with Butch, just make, make the extra effort and fly out and see him. Like, yeah. you, you know, it's a little more work, but, Go see him. He's Butch. He's made you so, as, as good as you are. He's, he's contributed a lot to your success. And, and you know, I, I just – I don't want to question Ricky's work ethic, but I don't think he's doing what Bryson's doing. I don't think he's working that hard. And, and I you know, I think also, you know, he got married uh, around this time last year, and mm-hmm. that's a big adjustment. I, I think this has just been a strange year. I don't – I don't – I think um, – I don't want to read too much into this year. And, you know, in we usually think of like, he's reaching that sweet spot, usually 32, 34. I mean, Phil didn't win a major till 34. So I don't think he's, I don't think the clock is, is I don't think he's getting cast by, but there are a lot of good young players. I mean, he might not be the best player on the PGA tour that you think of anymore out of Oklahoma state, the way Matt Wolf and Victor Hovland are playing. And so oh, there yeah. are new, newer, younger players that are coming out that are, playing way better than he is right now I, I still think he's got one of the best putting maybe the best putting stroke in golf and and so that that always mean, means he's going to be in good shape if he can if he can put well i don't think like you mentioned he did not put as well this year so he's got to work on his putting as well he, he even went um cross-handed for a little bit at uh in detroit earlier this summer so you know i think he needs um he, he should be taking whatever off season he has and really grinding. I want to see him work hard and be, you know, as serious as possible. Maybe do a few few less commercials. Maybe, you know, I'm not saying he needs to be working out as much as as Bryson, but I, I think uh, I think he could take his effort level maybe maybe next level for him and and say that I'm going to spend these next couple of years because there's a lot of I mean, listen, Kieran DJ say he wants to do this. He's going to work hard the next eight to 10 years. 
Um, you know, there are guys that are, that really want it, that want to add to their major total. And I think Ricky, if he doesn't get one, that's going to be a, a, you know, that's just that that's going to be something he's going to regret if he, if he's always has the fact that, you know, yes, he won the players and he's shown that he can do it on Sunday. I, I don't doubt mm-hmm. that he has it in him. And, you know, I think what the experience of the 2018 masters where he almost, you know, came from behind and, and uh, had a ch- chance on Sunday, um, but Patrick Reed was still a little too tough. Um, I think that was a, another big learning experience of, of being there on Sunday. But you know, he is still has too many uh, doubles and triples in major championships, and you just can't. You're not going to win a title doing that. My biggest concern. So, the idea for this question, what got me sort of thinking along these lines, is that Clay Thompson just got injured, and it looks like he's going to be out for the Golden State Warriors for the entire basketball season that's about to begin here in another you know month or two. And what I was listening to the Bill Simmons podcast, and he was talking with his guest about how the the window for that team, which to win a championship, would seem to be closing with that injury. They went through that great run. They win multiple NBA titles. Um, they get a ton of injuries. Kevin Durant obviously getting hurt. Clay Thompson getting hurt. Um Draymond Green getting older, all these different things. In in his opinion, you know, it's it's realistic to think that they may not be able to win another championship given the competition that they've got. I look at the way that golf is changing, the way that players are coming up, the younger players who are playing at a very high level really quickly. You mentioned Matthew Wolf, Colin Morikawa, within basically his first full year of being on the PGA Tour, wins multiple times, including a PGA Championship. Um, and with the power game going the way it's going, when you get more and more guys experimenting with longer drivers to get more distance, when you get somebody like Bryson DeChambeau, who's being as influential as he is, Dustin Johnson evidently tinkering around with longer drivers before, but not going with it at the Masters. Everybody's sort of focusing on the development and the next steps in the power game. That is not what Ricky does well. Um, as you mentioned, I, I agree. He's one of the, the baddest putters um, out there. He didn't have an especially good putting year last season. He tinkered around with a stroke. He tinkered around with different putters. Um, he was searching. But Ricky's average driving distance last year on the PGA Tour was 294. Ranked him 119th. He's not a bomber. You know, I'd love to be able to knock it that far. But by PGA Tour standards, he's not a bomber. Now, unlike the aforementioned Robert Streb, he is accurate. He ranked 35th in driving accuracy. But my worry or my concern if you're a Ricky Fowler fan is that the game is moving stylistically into a certain direction and it's not what he essentially does well so that means that there's a couple of choices you can look at this year that we just finished as being something of an anomaly and you mentioned some very good reasons why maybe we should do that oh yeah by the way there was a pandemic going on so everybody's schedule gets very disjointed we're thinking about other things other than golf he got married um, I don't know if his wife and he are thinking about or are in the process of trying to start a family. There, all these very legitimate things that would take you away from focusing on your job, in his case, playing good golf. Um, but it is concerning to me when it's like been six years since he would seem to have been peaking. And we thought like, oh, this is a guy who got a top five in each one of the four major championships. He was then the what we see right now with, for example, like, Xander Shoffley. The game is so good all the way around. Lovely short game. Hits fairways. Good iron player. Um, popular in the locker room. You know, a, a win is is always universally liked. And I'm not knocking the guy, but 
as one of the the faces of the PGA Tour, there's work as as you're saying. There's work that needs to be done here. I'm like we we've, we've got to shore up some shortcomings to get Ricky Fowler back to the place where I think we all just assume he he is, but he wasn't in 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 2020 and and all that. It's um if he's gonna win a major, which one do you think sets up best for him? Is he a U.S. Open guy in your mind? Is he a Masters guy in your mind? Because I'm trying to think about like where I would put him. Um, and I'm not sure it doesn't, does, his game doesn't readily, in my opinion, match up with any of the four majors, but what do you think? Well, I was just thinking of the year, year ahead and, and I don't like him at Torrey Pines at all. Uh, it's just, right. I think, I think a certain, a bomber is going to win there. Too maybe. big. Like yep. DJ or, or Bryson would jump to my, jump to the top of my list. Even, even Gary won when it was already won a, a PGA, uh, sorry, us open has had a lot of success at that course. Um, but I was thinking Kiowa for the PGA might be his best chance in the year to come. He's a good, he's good playing in the wind. Um, I, I don't think distance is the key to, to that golf course. And, uh, you know, yeah, Rory won there. So maybe, you know, distance is, certainly helps. Um, <laughs> but I think that's a course where if the wind blows, it could, it could work into his favor. And, um, that, that's the major I like him at. He's played well. He had some opportunities, I think, in the in the Open Championship, and, and maybe that could be a, a spot for him. But of the of the ones on the you know next year's potentially, I, I like I like Kiowa for for Ricky. And I think what you said it makes a lot of sense. That you know he's he's not one of those names that's jumping to mind uh, as as a pick in the majors right now. There's just too many other younger players that are playing better than him. And, you know, he wasn't even brought into the media center for for the Masters where, where they, you know, before the tournament, because he's, I guess, just not considered one of the one of the real contenders at the moment. And I think he needs to do something about that. If he's off doing a photo shoot while Bryson's in the gym working hard, try to get better to gain gain distance. And, and so are mm-hmm. a lot of other players. And, and you know, yeah, he's not the only will, one. Talent will only take you so far. You got to you got to work to win these majors. There's a lot of effort. I mean, I think you look at Dustin Johnson. I think he coasted on his talent and got his one win a year for a while, but then he he decided he really wanted to win a major and he and he worked hard on getting his wedge game better. And and nobody really talked about it, but um, his bunker game is used to be pathetic and really? it's now really good. And Very and good. I think I think one of the defining moments for him was after he chunked it in the bunker at two, he got it up and down and and, and still saved par. It, was, it, it still felt like he lost a stroke there. But it wasn't. It, it didn't become a disaster. It could have been a disaster there if he makes six or worse. So, I agree that he could do. A, I think a PGA Championship um, might be the place where Ricky Fowler has his best opportunity to win a major championship because I don't think that he's long enough. We've now established that that the Masters in Augusta National, as it stands today, is just a bomber's paradise. Like you got to really move the golf ball out there, and I just don't think that he does as much. I think he putts the way that you would need to win a Masters, but I don't know that he gives himself as many opportunities. Um, I don't think Torrey Pine sets up well for him at all. I I think that's a big, brawny golf course, as you talked about. I love him to win at a place, for example, though, like Royal St. George, if he does put in the work and if he's sort of trending up there. I was at Royal St. George back in 2011 when Darren Clark comes out of nowhere and beats the aforementioned Dustin Johnson and Phil Mickelson. And Ricky Fowler ends up tied for fifth with <laughs> – this is a beauty. He tied for fifth that year with Chad Campbell and Anthony Kim. 
where have those guys gone? Um, and the reason why I remember it so vividly is I followed Ricky Fowler and Rory McIlroy. I believe it was on Friday in the second round. It might have been Saturday, but I think it was Friday. And it was raining sideways. It was a proper howler of a day. And Ricky is out there in a white rain suit. And I'm like, there is a guy who doesn't do his own laundry. I mean, if you're going to be playing a British Open in a white rain suit, and he was looking like a drowned rat. It was so wet. And Rory was miserable not playing. Fowler loved it. He loved it. He was so happy to be out there grinding away. And there weren't that many media people out there because they had a lot more sanity than I did. But I walked like eight or nine holes with those guys. And you could just, there was this grin on his face. And then there were certain points where like the wind is lashing and they're trying to hit shots. And it's just ridiculous. I mean, like any sane pe- person would have walked off. He loved it. I think Fowler is one of those guys that loves Lynx golf a lot, but doesn't have the opportunity to show it or to demonstrate it all that often. If he's not on form, when the British Open happens to roll around on the schedule, you wouldn't see it. But I think that he really likes it. Um, there's so many guys, though. The depth of the quality on the PGA Tour right now, the depth of the quality around the world. I mean, you just start going up and down the top 15, top 20. Ricky's game is nowhere near where DJ is right now. Or Rom, Justin Thomas. Um, even if he's been off, you know, we saw enough from Roy McElroy at the Masters to make me think that 21 will be a better year for him than what we saw post-COVID shutdown. I, I think that he's back. Xander Shoffley, we saw a lot this year from Patrick Cantlay. We didn't see much from Brooks, but Daniel Berger went from 154 in the world a year ago to 13. Matt Wolf is is coming up. All these other guys, um, Sung J.M. being super, super impressive. There are so many good guys that he has to play as well or better than if he's going to contend at a major that yeah it just it just sort of makes my head scratch so uh where, where is the tea time where are you going to be playing on thursday for thanksgiving morning just right outside my backyard basically going to play sawgrass country club with the wife bastard um <laughs> yeah it's it's i woke up this morning and the thermometer said 28 degrees it's wonderful and sunny it looks great and then you go outside and you're like yep we're pretty much shut down here until at least March. So uh, it's going to be indoor golf simulators. There's a nice one that's in my area, not too far away. Putting in my uh, home office. I've got that all set up. But uh, yeah, send me a picture of what it looks like to be warm yeah. out there. Shoot. I, I have, have a great thanks. I have, I have endured for the, this. is my time. This is my time when the weather <laughs> is, is money. The way, yes, this is this is your. You have earned this by going through Florida Florida summers. Have a very happy Thanksgiving. Thanks for once again coming up on the Forward Press. All right, always a pleasure. Just going to run this dog to see if we can find any type of. Uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts.